If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What's up, world? It's your girl, Torica, and I just skipped class with the progress report. You should skip class, too. The progress report. All right, what's going on? It's your girl, Lala Shepard. This is a new episode of Skipping Class presented by the Progress Report. And who do I have the pleasure of speaking to right now? You are skipping class with Torka. Okay. Hi. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. We got a lot of great things to get into. Yes. Um, so first and foremost, I want to know just, you know, tell us about your start and journey into getting into music. When did that start? Okay, so... Long story short, y'all know when black people say long story short, it's a long story, but it's really gonna be a long story short. My aunt was an opera singer, or mm. is an opera singer, and she sang for like the presidents, she sang at the Kennedy Center, so she's like, Ave Maria, like that type of singer. So my mom says she used to sing to me when I was a baby, and I would mimic whatever she was doing, but in like baby talk. So when I turned about four or five years old, I started like copying songs that I would hear on the radio, and one day I was singing to my stuffed animals. That was my audience, that was my first audience. Um, and my mom overheard it, but she thought it was the radio. And I was singing like a Whitney Houston song or something. And she came in my room like, who in here with you? I'm like, it's just me. So she was like, okay, you gotta go start singing at church. So I started singing in the church choir. I was really shy, I had never performed in front of anybody. So eventually as time went on, I built up some courage and the choir director heard me singing in the hallway one day. I was probably like 11. And he was like, you need to do a solo. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, I'm scared, I've never sang in front of people. He was like, no, you have a gift and you can't just blend in with everybody else. You have to do a solo. So I performed at church and when I opened my eyes, I had my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> when I opened my eyes, I saw everybody standing up, like clapping, they were happy, they were smiling, some people were crying. And I was like, wow, I really like this, uh, this feeling, this reaction. So I got addicted to that reaction and I've been singing ever since. Wow, yeah, man. So musical influences, of course, you would say your family or who else? Oh, wow, um, I'm a huge fan of Anita Baker. Mm. I love Sade, um, Bob Marley, Stevie Wonder, Shaka Khan, Aretha Franklin, Beyonce, Mary J, Faith, Brandy, SWV, big shout out to Coco, it was her birthday yesterday, it's my big sister. Okay. Um, but I honestly get a lot of inspiration from rap as well, I feel like um, rappers are able to tell more of a vivid story than R&B because they have longer verses. Like an R&B song is really important to capture your messaging mm. in a very short span of time, but a rapper can really be a little more descriptive. R&B is a little more abstract. So I love rap. I listen to a lot of rap. People would be surprised. Mm. Um, so I get inspiration from rap as well. I respect that. Yeah. Um, now, what would you say was your big break moment? My big break moment, I moved to Atlanta after I um, left school. I went to Howard University. Hey. And I went to school because my family told me like, oh, go to school, you know, have a plan A, plan B, plan C. And I just felt like a void was not being filled. And I knew music was something I really wanted to do deep down inside. You know, I had done talent shows when I was younger. I was in a fake girl group. Um, <laughs> we used to remix songs that were already out. I used to write poems and turn them into songs. So I knew music was something I really, really wanted to do all along. But I never really stepped out there because I was a little afraid of you know, the rejection and criticism. And so when I moved to Atlanta in, 
I can't remember what year that was, but I got introduced to like all the right people at the right time. So I started working with Noni and Chris Hicks, Ryan Glover, Jazzy Faye was one of the first producers I met, Polo Ladon, Brian Michael Cox, Teddy Bishop, like all of these people who were, we were kind of coming up together. So Jazzy had this project he was working on for MCA at the time, slash Geffen, and he was like, I, I want to have you come in the studio and do a hook. And I was like, okay, cool. Mind you, I had never recorded before. I had never sang in a studio. I just sang you know, on a mic in front of people. So I was really nervous, but I came to the studio. I met Field Mob, and uh, I did Sick of Being Lonely, and that literally was the first professional recording I ever made, and that jump-started my career. So here we are today. That's so hard. Thank you. That's such a vibe. Like, that song still go up. Do you still listen to it? Um, I'm forced to listen to it because everywhere <laughs> I go where there's a DJ, they're like, oh, Torger in the building. And then they're like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, oh my God, I got to perform this song for the rest of my life. I'm going to be 80 years old. Like, I'm so sick of being <laughs> Okay. That's lit. That's lit. Do you feel like the obligation to pick up the mic, though, when you out somewhere, or do you just be chilling? Um, well, they just kind of shove the mic in my hands, so I'm forced. Um, and I appreciate it and I respect it. But what I can say is um, when the song was out, we were on such a whirlwind. Like they had us, we performed with Jimmy Kimmel, Soul Train, Dave Chappelle's show. We were on all the awards, red carpets. When you're in it, you don't feel the result of it, especially because at that time, social media and the digital landscape was completely different from how it is now. So the immediacy of connectivity with the audience and the fans and how the record is doing in different markets, you don't really get to see that until you actually go and do shows. So I really didn't understand the magnitude of that song and the reach that we had at the time. But now looking back, I'm like, wow, like we were on the top of the Billboard charts, BT, um, 106 and Park, VH1, MTV, like everywhere. But I didn't really understand the power of that because I was a new artist and I was very green and it was just a lot of things I didn't understand or I didn't know. And the label would be like, hey, tomorrow we need you on a flight at 6 a.m. So I spent a lot of that time exhausted. <laughs> so I couldn't really appreciate mm. what we were doing. But I will say one of the moments that I can remember that stands out is we were performing in Daytona for BT Spring Bling. And right before we went on the stage, B, uh, Buster Rhymes and Lil' Kim were coming off the stage. And both of them knew who I was. And mm. I was like, oh my God, Lil' Kim and Buster Rhymes, who I am. Like, oh my God. Like, I had a fan moment. But I was just, I think that's when it clicked to me, like, this is a big song. Like, how do these people that I've never met know who I am? So I just think that really, like, turned on a light bulb for me. Like, I'm really doing this. Like, I'm a professional recording artist now, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, speak about that video shoot experience. I know uh, the late John Witherspoon was in the video. It looked like a fun video. Yes, RIP to John Witherspoon. He was hilarious. He had us laughing the entire time. Like. What translates on camera with him, that's really how he is in real life. Like, mm. he had us cracking up. We were calling him Unk. He was like, mm. you know, he just kept us laughing. That was my first um, professional video shoot. So there was a live pig on set. That hmm. wasn't necessarily my favorite moment <laughs> because the pig was a little crazy and he was kind of in attack mode. And we were like, look, shoot these things real quick so we can get this pig back to the farm because he is tripping. But we really had a great time. Um, we shot that video at a, a club in Atlanta. Um, it used to be opium when it was on Spring Street. Yep. So every time I went back there, I was like, wow, this is a full circle moment. Like I'm partying in a place where I shot a music video for the first time. But um, funny story, the wardrobe department was coming from LA. So they brought a whole suite, a hotel suite full of clothes for me to try on. 
but they were all like a size two. And I'm like, <laughs> cornbread fed. I'm like, I can't fit any of this. So the dress that I ended up wearing in the video, that was the only thing I could actually fit. It was a Dolce & Gabbana dress. And I think I had on like Versace or Gucci shoes, but literally I was like, from this point on, I'm dressing myself because I can never be in the situation where someone else is controlling the narrative of how I look. Wow. But again, I was new, I was fresh, I didn't know any better. So artists, if you're ever doing a video and it's a stylist you never work with, bring some backup outfits. That's my advice. <laughs> wow. And, and what about like um, hair? You know, I know I hear you sometimes like with, not necessarily urban, but like, um, Gabrielle Union said on like film sets that they wouldn't have, you know, stylists for the, the black actresses. How is it? How was it then, you know, at that time? Well, um, I think I got my hair done on my own before I came there after the wardrobe fiasco. Okay. Because we had a fitting the day before the shoot and I was like stuck last minute. I couldn't find anything to wear. But mm. um, they did have a stylist on set who kind of fixed my hair, but I didn't really trust anybody to like, you know, us black women, we don't play about hair. Like, you're not gonna be playing in my hair. Okay? It's like what I asked for versus what I got. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be the what I got. So I just kind of kept that, you know, on my own. I made sure I took care of that. But mm. I definitely have experienced um, being on sets mm. where the makeup artists don't have the skin tones to match, you know, our hues of skin. Yep. So I've just, I think from those early experiences, I've just always been prepared to have my own stuff just on the side, just in case. Because um, it's me that is presented on the camera. So if I look crazy, people are gonna be like, oh, she looked crazy. They're not gonna be like, who did her makeup? So I'm like, I need to make sure I can represent myself in the best light. So yeah, that's definitely something that I think has improved um, across the board, but it definitely needs to be um, more prominent that music video directors and film producers need to specifically make sure they're inclusive in the people that they choose to hire to work on the talent, especially talent of color. Facts. Facts. Um, now talk about what came next after If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bottom at participating McDonald's. After that song. Oh wow. So I went on to um, broaden my reach as far as a writer, like being a songwriter. So I started working with the clutch that was made up of Ezekiel Lewis, um, a young lady named Candace, JQ Smith, or everybody calls him JQ, and Carrie Hilson. They were a writing um, duo or writing choir quad, I guess. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when Carrie wasn't available to write or record, I would go record with them. So I learned how to record much better. Um, I learned how to structure a song. Sean Garrett mm -hmm. actually let me sit in on a lot of his sessions. Um, RIP to Shakir Stewart because he put me in the studio with um, The Clutch and he also put me in the studio with Sean Garrett. And he was like, I think you're really talented, but you don't have structure and format. You need to mm -hmm. learn how to do things the industry standard way of doing them. So. I was a student of the game very early on. I went on to um, ink a publishing deal with Warner Chapel through Brian Michael Cox. So we did a song for Monica on her Still Standing LP, mm. which she released um, a few years ago. And the song that we wrote was like her fan favorite. So Monica has a very um, vocal fan base. Yeah. And the fans literally mm -hmm. got on YouTube. Somehow they put the song up with the picture of her and all the comments, they were like, Clyde Davis, this needs to be her single. Why is this not number one? Da, 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 da. We, this is a vibe, like this is our favorite song. So it was like a fan favorite. 
Um, I was actually one of the first writers to write on Polo the Don's beats mm. when he was going from Jim Crow to transitioning to be a producer. He was like, sis, I want to produce you, you sing, like let's get in the studio. So we made a lot of songs together. Um, I've worked with everybody, Gucci Mane, Rick Ross, um, Snoop Dogg, I've done four songs with him. Uh, I did a song with E-40 that Nitty Beats produced. Um, I've been on Jermaine Dupri's Young Fly and Flashy compilation. Mm. I could go on and on. I've literally had such a colorful um, background in music, but I'm just getting started. That was just the tip of the iceberg, so. For sure, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, what's your thoughts now? Just like fast forward, um, just, you know, females taking over in the music industry uh, right now, like, you know, specifically rappers, but just, you know, what's your thoughts just seeing that? Well, I do want to say that um, as an on-camera talent, I just want to let people know, like, who may be watching or listening, women have always been running things behind the scenes. And the narrative was put out there that the music industry and the entertainment industry is male-dominated. Mm. It is male-dominated at the forefront. But best believe, in those offices, it's women running the show. Right. No shade, no tea, no slight to any of the men out there who work hard in the industry. But I think now it's just that we're on camera and we're not afraid to say who we are and how we feel and how we want to represent ourselves. Like, if a man can rap about my body parts, I should be able to sing or rap about my body parts. So I feel like a lot of um, female artists are being um, almost criminalized for stepping into their sexuality or their femininity um, and speaking about their bodies and body positivity and all of those things. So I think that, um, I think what women are doing right now in the industry is very inspiring. And I also wanna say to um, younger women out there, please make sure you're listening to age-appropriate music. Thanks. It's not the artist's responsibility to raise other people's kids or be role models. It's really more important that the foundation is set at home so that those kids know when you're listening to that, that's entertainment. This is adult-driven music. It's not for you, even though they're going to listen to it regardless. But I think a lot of women have been put under the fire or in the hot seat because you know their younger fans are dancing and making TikTok videos to songs that are not necessarily appropriate, but the artist can't help right. what's out there. When you go watch Scarface, he was killing people every five minutes in the movie, but nobody was talking about how Al Pacino had a negative impact on society. So I feel like with black artists, we are, um, it's like we have to apologize or mm. be grateful for the position we're in when we're just being creative like anybody else. I mean, no shade to the rock community, but there's a lot of demonic, oh, evil, for sure you know, very dark imagery and their videos, they're like eating people's brains and all this crazy stuff. And that's no, not to them, there are fans for that. But I don't see them being visualized in um, the media about the type of art they create. So I just hope that we all can lend the same um, energy to like not censoring our freedom of speech to not censoring women who are empowered enough to put their music out there in whatever way, shape or form they choose to. Absolutely, no, I hear that. Um, what's your thoughts on, like, do you feel like younger artists embrace older artists, people that kind of open the doors for them? How do you feel about that? I think that's 50-50. Um, I think just in life, you can't really know where you're going unless you know where you came from. Mm. And a lot of times, if you listen to music now, it's a, not a remix, but I would say it's a reinterpretation of something that came out before. Mm. So I think it's very important for younger artists to listen to music from time before they, you know, were artists themselves because you never know, like, the foundation of music started before you. Thanks. So you have to respect the past 
to be in the present, to go forward in the future. So I definitely respect um, the younger generation, and I feel like we both have things to learn from each other. Not that I'm old or anything, I'm just a little more mature, okay? Period. No age shaming over here, okay, because I can still run with the quarrels. But I'm just saying, um, ultimately, I, I'm inspired by a lot of the things that the younger artists are doing, and I hope that they don't disrespect the legacy and the foundation that artists before them have built to give them the space to do what they do. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, at what point did you decide to take a, a five-year hiatus for our music? Well, um, it's actually a little longer than that, but okay. um, I was getting burnt out. Mm. Um, I always said I would continue doing music or anything as long as I was enjoying it, mm -hmm. as long as it was fun, as long as it felt good, as long as I wasn't taking myself too serious and I was starting to get in that space. I was having a lot of creative blocks. I would go into the studio and not be able to like churn out anything or produce anything that I was happy with. Mm. Or it was just starting to feel too much like work. And I feel like when it's like that, I'm not being my best creative self. So I really had to take time off to just regroup and figure out what I wanted to do. Also too, I spent a lot of my career um, demoing songs that I had written for other people. Mm. So I had really kind of lost my own sound because when I'm demoing a song for anybody out there, if you're a songwriter, you're submitting songs for placement to be placed on other people's albums. Generally, the labels require the songs to sound similar to who you're pitching the song to. Mm -hmm. So if I'm writing a song for Sierra, I'm gonna sing a Sierra's voice. I'm writing a song for Monica, so on and so forth. So I had gotten, like your brain, and your vocal cords are like muscle memory. So I had gotten so accustomed to singing like other people, I had really lost my sound. So I really needed to scale back and like figure out who I was as an artist. And I also um, had twin daughters, they're five now. Hey. Um, so just trying to take time to like be a new mom and have twins and like figure out the balance. And a lot of times I was struggling with, you know, do I do this, do I do that? Do I say, turn this down and like, I was like, you know what, let me just take a step back before, because music is something I know that I could always come back to because I really love it and it's inside. Definitely, I respect that. Thank you. Now, um, we did get a chance to hear some of the new music at New Music Mondays. Yes. I was just like, wow, you know, that second song, that was that was the one for me personally. I was just like, man, Thank that was you. so dope. So um, talk about the music that you did perform and making your return back to music. Absolutely, so like you said, I did New Music Mondays with the Coalition DJs on a Monday, which was, a few days ago. And I um, debuted a song called Unusual and another song called How Does It Feel, which is the song that you liked. Those two records I feel like are completely different on different ends of the spectrum, but Unusual is basically about um, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and not being willing to settle. I think a lot of times in life, not just in relationships or romantic relationships, but in all relationships, we sometimes can't identify the difference between compromising and settling and mm. they're two totally different things so you really have to identify who you are before you can even compromise like if I'm compromising something I have to make sure I'm not changing who I am just to appease to the next you know person so in that song unusual I'm really just speaking to a guy that I'm interested in but I'm letting him know like I'm interested in you but I'm not interested enough to settle for you mm. if you're not going to meet me halfway or you're not going to show me effort I'm not going to show you any effort we're just gonna match energy back and forth, like let's go. So that's really what that song is about. Um, How Does It Feel is basically my R&B version of, it's cool when they do it, it's a problem when I do it, y'all know the rest. <laughs> so um, 
I think that there's a double standard in the relationship dynamic between men and women. A lot of times men can dish it, but they can't take it. So when we give it back to them, they like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, we outside. What's up? We outside together. I'm, I might pull up to the light. You pull up next to me. You were supposed to be at home and you outside. So we both outside. Like, let's go. So that's basically what that is about. But um, in reference to my entire project, what I'm trying to achieve or what I'm going to achieve with this project, which is called A Whole Mood, because I'm a whole mood, okay, um, is that I want there to be women across the world who are moms, who are business women, who are nine to five corporate women, who are stay at home moms, who are just wives. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Girlfriends, going through a heartbreak, deeply in love, you know, busy, getting money, struggling, trying to figure out who they are. I want them to feel like, that's my sis. Like, she's speaking to me. I have somebody who's representing me. I'm not alone in all of these things that I have to balance, you know, from, you know, work to family life, whatever. Um, so I really want my music to resonate and for women to hear a song or hear a message in my songs that they can identify with. Absolutely. To know they're not alone. Not nah, respect, respect. Thank you. Um, talk about Lincoln with Dennis McKinley. You know, he had passed guest to the show and, you know, just some of your learning lessons from him. Okay, so um, we are in business together. I'm a franchise partner in the Crew franchise. So shout out to Crew um, and shout out to Dennis McKinley. But um, he was working on an all-star kid project, which is a children's um, compilation of music mm. that's basically taking um, the standard lullabies and kids songs and nursery rhymes and making them more soulful and more appealing to moms like myself who have to listen to Coco Melon all day. It's like, these songs are annoying. I want to hear something that sounds kind of like R&B, but my kids like it too. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I'm doing this project. He knew I could sing. And he asked me to come in and sing a couple of different, you know, songs. Did so. And while I was in the studio, he was like, dang, like, you can really sing. Like, you should really, you know, get back into music. And I was like, no, I don't know. I'm so busy just making excuses. And so he was like, no, for real, like, if you really want to do this, I'll get behind you. I believe in you as a business person, as a friend. He was like, I believe in, in your message, and I think that you can be an inspiration to a lot of women. So he was like, I see that you've put your dreams on the back burner to make sure your businesses flow, make sure your kids are good, but you got to make sure you're good. So mm -hmm. music has always been my therapy, and he saw that I needed that outlet, and he just said, you know what, let's do it. And so here we are. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. I love that. Thank you. I love that. When can we expect the, you know, the new project and the new uh, single? So I'm planning to release um, my single, my first single, in about two to three weeks. Okay. We are in the mixing process, so I'm a big perfectionist, which can be a gift and a curse, because I want it to be perfect. I get it. You know, I haven't, 
I've been away from music for a while, so I'm probably putting more pressure on myself than is necessary, but I can't help it. So it's mixing right now. Um, it's in the mixing process right now. So we're working on that. I really want to release my project on my birthday, which is August 9th. Okay. But we are still determining if we're going to do an EP mm. or an album. I have enough material to do either or. But I feel like because this is an introductory, I might want to do an EP and then follow that up with an album. But yeah. we're just going to see how the single performs to determine which you know direction we're going to go in. Respect. Yeah. So final question for today. Um, our platform is called The Progress Support. How would you say that you progress lately as a person? Oh, wow. Um, I progress lately as a person by learning when, how, and being okay with saying no. Mm. I've always been a people pleaser. I've always been like, oh, I want to make sure everybody's good. Everybody's good. Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? And then I have nothing left for me. Mm. So I have honestly progressed in that area. I'm still not 100% where I want to be, but I've, I've been a lot less stressed trying to worry about things I can't control. And a lot of times people don't appreciate what you're doing for them. So I had to take a step back and realize like, dang, would they go this hard for me? And when I said no to some of those answers, I had to start you know, reducing the size of my circle. So that's one way that I progress. And I feel like that applies to me personally in business and in music as well. Cause there's certain people that might want to work with me, but we're not aligned. So sorry, love you. Come to my show though, stream and download, but you know. Period. I'm in a different space, so that's how it progressed for sure. Love that. Thank you. Definitely. Well, thank you for your time. This was dope. Thank was you for having nice. me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. The Progress Report. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.